On this week's episode of 90 Degrees, we are joined by John Legeza, professional sports better, focusing on NFL and MLB. You can find John on Twitter at John Legeza. You can also find John live on Noon Eastern daily on Call to the Pen HQ YouTube channel. Today we're talking about MLB betting angles. Let's dive into the sharp side and look for the right angles in sports betting. Big bomb, bomb, bangers. Ladies and gentlemen, Jews and Gentiles, sharps and squares. Welcome back to episode 23 of 90 Degrees, the show where we discuss the right betting angles. I'm your host, Kevin Davis, and today we're bringing on John Legaza, Hammer Network contributor and host of a new show, Call to the Pen. But before we bring him on, I want to give a quick thank you to our sponsors over at Pinnacle Sportsbook. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sportsbook and is now available in Ontario. Find out what professional bettors have known for decades. Pinnacle is where the bettors play, taking sharp action every day. No limits, low synthetic hold, and is a must-have for those with a top-down approach. Must be 19-plus in Ontario. Please pay responsibly. Unfortunately, it's not available in the United States, or else I would use it. John, how's it going? Welcome to 90 Degrees. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm already, I already have a smile crack because you mentioned sharps and squares, and I guess you know I'm, I'm the round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had a, a college radio show back in the day, and I always started with ladies and gentlemen, Jews and Gentiles. So I just took that intro and added it in sharps and squares for a sports betting show. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. It's this cool, really great idea, you know, to there's so much betting content. It's like game focus analysis focused without maybe showing all these new people how to actually fish, right? How to actually use these tools and stuff. So I appreciate the work you're doing. And hopefully, you know, we uh we'll sharpen up some of those squares, right? Let's sharpen some edges. Yeah, I mean everybody wants the fish, but they don't want to actually catch it. Yeah. So Yeah, and it's more than just you know, it's funny. It actually might be not a bad analogy because sometimes you got to sit there and that's what people don't want to do. And sometimes you have to like spend money on bait and sometimes you spend money on a pole that breaks and no one wants to hear about that part either. Right. The gas and the the, the money it takes to take care of your boat. Right. They just kind of want to eat the fish. They don't want to all the stuff that goes into it. Right. And I think what I mean is not all fishermen make money and not all betters make money. And I think at least picking the winner feels like Gosh, as I get older, it feels like maybe the fourth or fifth most important part of the game. Yeah, especially so much of the game is correlated to picking the winner. Now, you alluded to, you know, types of tools and what can happen with them. Uh, just to give some of our listeners a background, you're a baseball modeler yourself. Uh, what are some tools that you use that you don't create yourself to inform your uh, analysis? Yeah, okay. Yeah, the stuff that... I use, I am kind of known to be very statistically dense. You know, I try and do my best to clean it up and make it digestible. But I think as we learn more and more about, I don't want to just say baseball, but you generally it's like the ball in flight is how I've described it, right? With stat cast data, pitch spin, shape, not just velocity. You know, the, the understanding that we have now is it's growing every day. And I like to think I'm a part of kind of that buffer zone. So, there are some things I use that I probably wouldn't recommend to a lot of people because one of the worst things you can do is misuse a tool, right? You know, get your hands on something new and not know how to use it. So I think for the people out there, if they were looking for something, it's probably fan graphs. I think fan graphs 
is the best buffer between like the really highly analytically driven stuff that you need to know how to use and just kind of step into it because there'll be stats that you know, right? The really obvious stuff, all the batting average and stuff, but they do a great job of also incorporating it right next to more advanced stuff where you can time split it where a lot of generic stats don't allow you to do that. So I think it's probably, you know, the downloadable stuff of Fangraphs and being able to time split it. I think for baseball is maybe even football too because they do a lot of football work. I think that's what's most important splitting data to clean it for injuries and you know whatever it is roster rotations or you know whatever the case might be yeah the rotations you know come in handy for looking at how much rest certain starting pitchers have uh like if, if it's six days rest rather than five days i mean sorry if it's five day rest rather than four day yo absolutely absolutely and the same goes for teams traveling just there's just a lot of of stuff i was kind of alluding to and it's almost the same thing just going at it a little bit differently it like in a player season you know you can see a player season overall and it's meh baseball you know obviously i'm a baseball guy we're in a groove right now i'm thinking of rafael devers on the boston red sox he's obviously you know he's objectively amazing at baseball and he was off to like an mvp start for the first couple months and i forget if he got hit by a pitch or ran into a wall maybe both in the same week right sometimes this stuff happens and it was also funny, sometimes guys miss time and we oh, they made a glass, you can't rely on them. But if they get hit on the hand and then go play and they're not 100%, we're mad about that also. So sometimes you have to realize that guys play injured. And where I was going after that double injury, he wasn't any good. He had a really, really rough second half. It drags down the entire season, but now he's had an off season. And when, if you're trying to analyze a player like Rafael Devers, should you be looking at last year's muddied statistics or the player that looks like an MVP every time he gets in the box, right? That, that's what I meant. But it's really the same thing, six and one half. Well, listen, a lot of it, you know, you don't know what injuries these players are playing through. Yeah, that's another – that's really another excellent point. We could probably turn that into a, not just an episode. You probably make that into a show. The lack of transparency in sport media. And I don't mean to knock it report. It's no, no, it's like you're saying the, the teams are actively trying to hide it. Cause they think there's an edge there. So they have reporters in their pocket that mislead us. They have people that don't know any better that mislead us. You know, they put out false information that mislead us in, in part of analysis, right? If you're going to be betting sports is trying to cut through the noise, right. And get to the signal. I don't, I wouldn't say I'm perfect at it. I don't think anyone is. But I, I, enough times around the carousel, and you, I don't know, you get a feel for it. Like, I'm just not buying it, right? There's a lot of coach speak. Players always think they're healthier than they are, right? Like that kind of thing. Yes, yeah, certainly. And, you know, sometimes it's good, you know, the certain teams that on a random day are just going to rest a couple of their really good players. Yeah, I know in basketball that seems to be really prevalent. I'm not really a, an NBA better at, at all. You see it in baseball and which is why you know me doing my show at noon can make player specific bets so difficult because especially in baseball where the opportunities are more regimented right see what you're talking about kevin is super sharp and absolutely applies to fluid games hockey basketball where the games and the game's just in play there is no you know what i mean you know what i mean baseball is very unique in that there's a plate appearance and if you Lose that plate appearance. You have to wait your turn, right? You have to wait your turn. Unlike basketball, you can get it to the best player, get it to the best player. Same for football, you know, up to a certain extent, but still. So baseball, I think, might matter more than ever. 
right? But we, I, I think that's what we'll be just, just to put a bow in it. I think for baseball, it matters the most, the lineup. Because even if you know he's playing, the spot in the lineup really could dictate that extra plate appearance. And let's say you're trying to get a base or two bases. You need, you want to get up that last time. Trust me, you know, you're going to, even if you're me and you're old, you're staying up till 1130 to watch that last PA. And John, let me tell you this, the batting order especially matters if you're batting first three or first five inning money lines or run lines. Because those top of the order hits are going to get a larger percentage of the at-bats than for the full game. Yeah, that's that, that is a, as a great point. And also I like to go one further. I, cause I am an F five better being careful with a whip guys because the, the extra on base, even if they don't give up the run gets that turnover one more time. So it's, we're really, we're really kind of circling over the same target. And that's something I do like to talk about when I bet F five is you got to maximize who's there. You write it work and it works both ways. That's a really sharp point. Yes, yeah, certainly. And you know, luckily, there's so many baseball nerds out there. I just went ahead and asked one of them. I forgot which one. I think it was Tango Tiger on Twitter. I'm just like, uh, what percentage of at-bats do spots one through nine take up for the first five innings? And they just gave me the data. Yeah, well, he he's fantastic <laughs> on his own. You know, sometimes it can be a little it can be a little dense, a little hard because he really he's like an objective genius. And if people aren't familiar, you know, Tom Tango is Tango Tiger on Twitter. And, you know, he's one of the savant kind of masterminds. And you could, like, Brian, like Kevin said, you could kind of ask him anything you want. And he'll – he's so – he must be so organized because – or just have this incredible memory because you could bring up almost anything and he will get you to the blog he wrote about it. could be 10 years old. And it, in a snap, he's got it. He's got data. And he's very – he's very smart about it too, right? He's, he isn't always tell you this is what it is. It's understand that these are a range of outcomes or this can maybe be misled here, but it is a good place to start your research. So I can tell you, Kevin, you're, you're speaking to the right people because he's really he's really smart. And we see it in fantasy also uh, trying to predict lineup positioning can be very difficult. But every time you move up a, a rung, whatever you want to call it, you have to add like 35 plate appearances for the season, you know, just kind of. Right, it just happens. The rotation, you know, just happens. And every rung back, it just gets cut off in front of you that many times. So it's really interesting how it happens. But you know, if you're projecting a like that's a good way to beat projection systems for people out there is if you're projecting a player to lead off that is not currently being projected to lead off, that should add plate appearances to your projections, which should pull up all the rate stats, you know, keep your rates the same. And you know, without even needing to do your own projections. Like when I first started, Kev, I didn't want to do my own rate projections. How could I beat Steamer or Derek Hardy? You know what I mean? Like that's not possible. But one way to do it is to adjust the opportunities, mm-hmm. right? And then adjust the rates. And, it, you know, it's a good pathway for beginners, you know, like stuff you're talking about. I, I think that's really probably one of the best pathways is try and find the small places where the quants fail. I mean – it's not even just about the quants. It's about where, like, the sort of prop markets where there's sharp differences between the books. Um, like pitcher strikeout props continue to be a great area where some most sports books will have it at 0.5 for whatever the number is, but a couple will put it at like you know 0.0, and then kind of thinking. About oh, where well, you can get the push? Yeah. Oh, see that? Aha! Uh-huh. You mentioned push. Now you're like, I'm like a, I'm like a nefarious cheapskate, and I was. Or even if you get an extra strikeout. Right, right, right. We, I mean, see, I, again, I can tell you're, you're, you're 
razor sharp because that's the kind of stuff not a lot of people is looking at. And if the extra strikeout is only five cents more, yeah, that's something a lot of people are not necessarily looking at uh, comparing opportunities, right? Sometimes it's on the very same board. You know, it's very. It's sometimes you know. Sometimes it's just as simple as looking left and looking right using apps that allow you to kind of shop and stuff like that. Because you know, most sports betters will tell you the edges are kind of where you make your profit, right? It's just on the ends. And you and I could have the same exact plays, like the same book, let's say. And if we got different prices, I could end up profitable, and you could end up in the red. Granted, it's never going to be too crazy, but it could be the difference between black and red ink, and that's what we're here for, right? Yeah, I mean, I think baseball betting of all the sports, I think, teaches you the most discipline and patience. Because um, I know from modeling myself, most of the bets I tend to be on are underdogs. So most of my days are going to be losing days. And then my winning days, I like do really well. And then I'm like, s- have a slight profit on money lines. Uh, but you could just be sitting there and be like, <laughs> wow, this team really does suck. But, you know, it's, it was the good play. Yeah. You know, where I've where I've tried to find the middle ground, you and I, of course, are very simpatico here, is the F5 run line and trying to cash on the tie. And that, that has really opened – that's opened up some profitability for me, getting exposed to underdogs without really them needing to do too much, right, keeping the expectations a bit lower. And sometimes you, get a, you catch a good line. I got one yesterday. I actually lost the bet, but – Man, we were looking pretty sharp for like 95% of it. I had Diamondbacks against the Dodgers, right? So again, you like you said, you're you're on the underdog. But I like Dallin over Arias. And it was close to even money. And we were getting spotted a run through five innings, which baseball, getting spotted a run for 15 outs is pretty pretty advantageous, right? It's not, a, it's not nothing to start the game in, in the money in a race to 15 outs where anything can happen. And we were, the Diamondbacks were actually up 2-0 or going into the fifth. And ended up, of course, the Dodgers were like seven, you know, and, and that's what it is. And it goes to what you're saying. You know, you just, even with where you think you're near the up, you got to be ready for the downswing. And it's part of it. But all the risk is predetermined, you know, so I don't let it upset me. I don't get, I'm into the hoot and the holler. And of course, it was like a Will Smith inside out, like loop-de-loop single. Even he was like laughing about it on first base. And it is what it is, you know. But I, you got to love that. You know, that, that half run line really, I think, is what I would like people to take away from it is, man, if you think you have a starting pitching edge. Or even the alternate run lines. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. See, the pricing on those is always so wild that I don't know if I always get get to those. But I guess that's another good place to get underdogs. Like, if you think they're going to be ahead, you know, certainly. I mean, that's part of why I actually like betting on Asian baseball leagues more, especially Taiwan, is you have those humid days where you have the high run scoring games. And you can have a lopsided match matchup, and the regular run line is two and a half, and maybe someone will have a three and a half out there. And that, you know, the World Baseball Classic too—that was a wet dream. I wasn't even modeling it, but basically every single underdog that was like plus eight and a half runs, I was taking, no questions asked. So that's great, man. That's great, right? That's great. I didn't even know that. I was I was preparing for a regular season. Because I, I always get worried I'm going to get too sucked in. But, man, I saw some people doing really well baseball classic. I was actually watching it. I enjoy I enjoyed it, which is weird. You know? I mean, the only team that really couldn't cover those run lines, sadly, was Israel. Um, you know, I'm, I'm part of the tribe, so I was rooting for them. Uh, they're not exactly <laughs> a baseball country. Uh, not yet. Yeah, well, not yet at least, yeah. 
I mean, you know, basketball's pretty big there. Um, and of course, uh, soccer. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just, you know, you have Nicaragua would always be a plus nine and a half run line. And the only way that that would lose is if they lose because of the mercy rule. Right. And they have, right. And there's major leaguers on a bunch of those teams also. Yeah. I mean, part of it, you have the thing is like, okay. Especially if the regular run total is 11 and a half. So the run total is 11 and a half and the run line is nine and a half. So you can look for books to see. They let you do a same game parlay where you do the under and the underdog run line or vice versa. And then they still shade it, but they don't shade it enough. Wow. Talk about being uh, versatile. Yeah, like if it, if the run, if there's going to be less than 11 and a half runs scored, you know, most likely the team that's the plus eight and a half run line underdog is going to cover. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I had never seen those lines. Like, gosh, I'd probably just jump on a plus eight and a half blind in a baseball game. I mean, that's what I was doing. And I'm not used to betting baseball blind, but I'm just like, I'm never going to see anything like this ever again. Yeah, there's no such thing. Like, I didn't know I thought you making it up. You know, it's no such thing. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, it's one of those things where they're going to base the run line based on the money line, but the money line is only based on the probability of winning. And there's a certain point where both teams are going to know the outcome and, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, put in their worst relievers because they want to save their best ones. Yeah, sure. Same thing, hitters just trying to get out of there. I got no, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, what sort of, with the rule changes this season for MLB, what sort of new angles are you looking at for how that's going to impact the um, the betting odds or even certain props? Wow. Yeah, you know, sadly, right off the bat, it was, I think it's uh, more of a subtraction, right? Something that it's, I've lost. And it was full game betting. You know, the ghost runner, right? So this runner on second base and extra innings has really soured me on run line bets, which I used to really like. And now we're a lot less secure than they used to be. Right? If you're play, especially if you're playing an underdog, like you said, you're expecting to lose a lot of times. Right? Every, that's why the line is where it is. The problem was the later into the game you went, kind of the more secure you would feel because teams begin to play for single runs. And then you get into extra innings. Let's say you're the underdog, you're on the road. Right? These are not absolutes, but generally, right? General, that home team's more often favored. Going into the bottom half of that, you know, extra inning, you could pretty much go to sleep if you were the underdog. Because you, how often was it a two or three run home run? Very rarely, really, very rarely. Teams are playing for it all. And if the leadoff guy hits a home run, you couldn't be happier. You're happy as a pig in S and you go right to bed, you know, happy as a happy as a glam. But now, there's somebody on second. Now you have to sweat. You have to sweat it. And the ding dong could come and knock you out. And it actually it works in both ways. And so I've been a little sullied on run lines. I'd much rather get it through the F5. And similar to what you were saying, something that a lot, a lot of people talk about, which is opening yourself up to a push, which I think, especially if you see, for us, it's not as critical as you describe yourself as an underdog better. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But let's say you bet a favorite. Let's say you have a bet a favorite. Your expectation in baseball game when you bet a favorite is for them to basically wipe the floor with the other team. So when you bet the Yankees against the Marlins as a favorite, like I don't know why anyone would do that, but people do. If they're tied after five innings, 
The fact you get your money back is almost a crime. You don't deserve to get your money back. You bet You bet the Yankees juiced up, and they're tied with the Marlins for five. You deserve to lose. You, In fact, in fact, and again, everyone does it differently. I keep the money. But I kind of mark those as losses. To me, that's not right. You didn't have a good cap. You didn't have a good cap. If you pay juice for a favorite and you're tied for five, yes, you got your money back. Yes, it goes down as a tie, you know, in the book, the black book. But that was not a solid cap. You kind of lost. So I have shifted. I've allowed the rules to dictate that, right? Really kind of solidify my game around F5s when it comes to game betting. Though I think maybe the flip side would be it probably really threatens full game unders and opens the door to full game overs a bit more, right? So if I get a signal now, because again, you create a ping pong situation in extra innings, theoretically, where teams can score without any hits. I mean, that's whatever. It's just silly. Like a man on second is a butt and a sack fly. You could have a 25, 25 game that took 17 hours. So it's like stupid without any hit. I don't even know what that's supposed to do. I'm not, I'm not sure what that proves. I don't even know. I don't really like the rule in particular, but so I would say that also I'd, I'm not, I wouldn't be playing full game unders and would probably be making sure I add a few percentage points of probability to all the full game overs. Cause all of a sudden it could be one, one going to extras and you're not out. Yeah, I mean, I actually like the, uh, the the ghost runner rule from a health and safety standpoint that the games eventually end. I think for the playoffs, you, ha- you don't yeah, have yeah, a oh, ghost sure. runner. Yeah. But for the regular season, Correct. I think you need those games to eventually end so the relievers stay healthy because uh, you don't want a situation where all your relievers are, are used up and a starting pitcher who can't really go the distance stays in too long. Yeah, oh, I, I absolutely agree with you from a – Fan slash baseball slash gameplay, everything else standpoint, just in, under the particular betting lens, uh, it's it's it you know it it affects probabilities. And if we're talking about probabilities being you know profitable on the edges, I don't want those edges shaved down. So once they're shaved down, I, I just kind of I just kind of let it go. And again, it doesn't mean that you can't play these things. I know sometimes maybe I'm a bit too assertive in my delivery, but almost what you're saying is the discipline that it takes to bet baseball is not just like, oh, I'm this discipline monster. It's there's so many opportunities. You can be paid. Let it let it come to you, man. You know, there's another like if you don't like any of the five games with the five zillion props now assigned to them, guess what? There's 15 games the day after that with 17 quadrillion opportunities and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. And if you want, you can stay up until, you know, 2.30 in the morning, live betting the San Diego Padres to sleep for six hours and get up and bet the noon game. Like, people just like, yo, let the ball come to you, man. If you're really selective, I know, I, you know, I catch a lot of heat about this sometimes, uh, Kev. Per- personally, I don't know how robust your tickets are. Sometimes I could be a bit conservative, I guess, like, I don't know. If you want, you can bet 20 things, but I end up chopping down daily a lot of risk and that doesn't end up moving the needle. So I'd rather be a bit more selective and I get that a lot. Like one play or like three bets and that's it. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's it. That's these. That's what I love. That's what the model says and tomorrow it might say 25. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, yeah, I don't, I kind of, I don't say I let it speak for me because, you know, you have to understand and digest your own work. But yeah, it just if the thing says two, it's two, and if it says twelve, it's twelve. Like you know, it does a lot more math than I does. It's a lot better than I does. Yeah, hopefully, it's better at speaking English than I am too. <laughs> I mean, it just gets hard after a while because even if you have a good model, you're just putting so much work into it in such an efficient market that your edge isn't going to be that large. So, if you're not a professional level level better, you're 
you may as well just focus on some of these niche markets in these games. I would absolutely agree. And now maybe we could tie in something else. You know, shame on me. I haven't really scoped it out and I should. I I just, I think I expected the books to autocorrect, although I haven't looked and I'm, I'm kind of taking an L right now on this, would be the stolen bases, right? So we've seen stolen bases. I, I don't want to misquote the numbers, but I know for a fact I can quote the efficiency. That number is over 90% so far. Uh, base runners are over 90% league-wide stealing. That number used to be like 70. So whatever increase we're we're getting is only going to be further encouraged by an incredibly high success rate. That's a simple man. Like I, you know, to me that's it's a guess, but it's it's not really a guess because these teams are not stupid, and we're already kind of seeing it right. We're like within these kind of micro and macro trends as they interweave. So it's the stolen base market is. Something for sure. Yeah, look, someone someone actually went, oh, yeah, 90%. That's what's over 90%. We have our 90 degrees fashion, uh, our, our 90 degrees fact-checking team. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's um, that's uh, worth noting. And my worry is it's it was going to be kind of disproportionately reflected in it. I'm kind of looking at it right now as I was running my mouth, and I have to say, we should all be looking more closely at the stolen base market because just as just just on a whim, like I'm just scanning right now. Ha Sung Kim six to one to steal a base. I mean that's pretty great. Corbin Carroll who runs is three and a half to steal a base. I kind of like now that's that's considered juiced up right three fifty, but that's still not too bad. The reason that's not good is because of the line of placement, like we mentioned. If he was batting first, I actually wouldn't. don't think I'd mind Carroll at 350 to steal because I think his on-base skills cover that percentage. But batting seventh, I'd be a little bit worried. But regardless, that was for like a burner. I mean, they're a guy – it's just – I think Colt Wong might have – Colt Wong might steal a base. He's at plus 650. You know, so they're actually playing a, a rookie pitcher – Today also Hunter Gaddis is going for the guards. So like that might be, you know, just again, you're talking about betting numbers and understanding probabilities and ranges. I don't like to bet blind, but like six and a half to one Colton Wong to steal base is not bad. It's not a bad bet. It's just not a bad bet. Runs, I'm curious what the same game parlay prices are for two players on the same team beginning a stolen base. Man, again, Kevin, super sharp, dude. Super sharp. I mean, again, it may be, you know, two. You know, the same game parlays have a high house advantage, but you may have a couple that overlook it. You know, it's, it was funny that you um, you mentioned same game parlays. Just quickly, and I, I'm, you're kind of the one asking me questions. I have found, again, I have soured on them because I don't like the, the I don't know, but the, the indiscriminate penalty. They're just like, they do whatever they want. The calculator, like, heaven forbid you have your own calculator as next to their calculator, you don't want to play. And that's why the books push them. But that doesn't mean that you can't find Ed. So I don't, you know, it's not, like I said, sometimes I, I guess I sound like I blanket brush things. So I'm not trying to discount SGPs, but would you say, Kevin, that you, you found value parlaying things? I always feel like they just punish the hell out of you. It's almost not worth it. But trust me, I, I, I have faith in it. If you tell me it's worth it, I, I would give it another look. Yeah. It's only like worth it if you're making your own numbers or if you can put a boost on it. Um, you know, but only the handful of times I found it worthwhile or getting a star player and getting all their alt unders in there. 
and betting everything under just in case like they leave the game early or they have a bad day, you know, or uh, like other things like the traditional uh, total money line parlay where you say, where you say in your head, if this team wins, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. So I'm going to parlay the money line and uh, the the under. Right. Yeah. That's sharp. Yeah. See, that's actually really sharp because there, that would be, again, if I were like thinking through, I mentioned a written plan. If I were to install SGPs again, just because I don't like something doesn't mean it can't, anything could fit into a responsible plan. If I were to work them into a plan, that would be like in on the list, right? That would be part of the conditional rule set. We'll be finding those kind of core of plays that really do work together. Cause I, I have found that man, especially with baseball stuff, the, yeah, it, it, there's some correlation with scoring, but I just feel like the penalty is really rough. And in particular, if it, the play has a good price itself, I'd rather just play the plus. Like, if it's plus odds in particular, I'd rather just go for that. I'd rather just play that. I mean, honestly, what I'd just do after the show is going stat had on uh, baseball reference and just see in games where there's one stolen base, uh, what's the probability that another player on the same team attempts a stolen base? You know, is it the same on games where there's zero stolen bases or et cetera? Just to see if the stolen base attempt probability goes up once one player attempts. I would assume yes. And again, I can't prove it, but I think I could quantify it. And it's something I was saying really all offseason during doing fantasy stuff. That this is an analytical world. You know, these teams are going by the stopwatch. And pitchers, though there is a pitch clock and it keeps some kind of general pace going, the windup is the windup. Some windups are slower than others. Some deliveries are just objectively slower than others. Like that, you know, there's a fact, right? That's a fact. And teams that are better at highlighting and identifying that have these these formulas kind of figured out already, right? Uh, delivery plus ball flight plus pop time plus ball flight minus path to run, right? And if they're getting, from what I understood, when they were getting anything above three quarters, they were running. When the mm. success rate was, I think, sixty-eight or seventy loosely. Now that it's ninety, you're getting you're going to getting hundred percent go rates, you know, on certain players. So I think the answer to what your question is absolutely yes, because such a critical component of the formula I'm talking about is a standard within the pitcher, right? Meaning a fan, you know, a slow pitcher opens that formula to the range of runners. A fast pitcher, though he's also open to the range of runners, doesn't open up the – he opens up, up the wrong way. right? He shrinks that formula time. And, of and course, the catcher harder, matters. No matter the size of the bases. Oh, well, again, part of part of the individual formula. Right, very, very good point. That certain – you know what? I think we've seen a bit of that. And I think we started seeing it last year, and I, maybe I wasn't sharp enough to pick up on why – we saw certain teams go with these like defensive catchers that, you know, us fantasy and DFS guys are like, oh, what are you doing? You know, no one wants more team other. Oh, this guy stinks. You know, ah, uh, Ostinola. What you, the Padres are so good. You're like, man, the guys will hit. But you put this lead balloon at the end of the lineup. Not dude doesn't do anything with the stick. Nothing. Like guys that do more team other too. It, like he'll play usually in fantasy. We look for plate appearances. This guy will actively hurt your team. You're better off taking a zero, and. They're out there because they're defensive and they get the job done. And I think maybe that was them like the preface of, 
you know, we're getting into this now, getting used to having a zero, one zero in the lineup because it's going to protect us this season, you know, next season, this season, when the running starts. And like I said, now the running is happening. And if you are not prepared, you're in trouble, right? It's going to be interesting to see how teams adjust. I mean, when I look at the bevy of defensive stats out there, you know, by far the most important position is catcher. You know, the infield is important, but catcher is most important. So you can replace a strong offensive catcher with a mediocre offensive catcher, but the mediocre offensive catcher has a really good defense. It could basically be like the same impact on a team's win probability, especially if you have a deep lineup. So you just put that mediocre hitting catcher in the ninth spot in the lineup so they're getting fewer plate appearances. And you won't get as damaged because the people that you move up in the lineup uh, will still be at a high level. Yeah, I would agree. Again, this that part of the game, for all like the geeky number stuff I do, the war stuff is not my wheelhouse. I kind of leave that to the older crowd to do the Hall of Fame stuff, right? We don't war is not part of the money game yet, right? War is not part of fantasy. War is not part of DFS. War is not part of betting. So it's it's in my blind kind of spot. But yeah, I mean, I, if I knew if I were designing it, that would be the one position where you could quite literally be a zero and still be a Hall of Famer, right? You could be as you could be a zero offensively, providing you were the great defensive catcher that in my mind, right, I'm trying to justify this argument, you could be a Hall of Famer because of the control and it's particularly in this new age of suppressing the run. A friend of mine actually tweeted a really interesting video about Jared Kelnick and it was kind of like about the butterfly effect, right? So it was Jared Kelnick hit this weak, nothing pulled ground ball, kind of what we expect him to do lately. As much as I like him, he does it a little bit too much. That would have normally went into the shift. But it didn't go into the shift. And because he's got wheels, he ended up on first. Effect of the rule number one, man on first. And then because of the other rules, bases plus the pitch clock and everything else, he ended up stealing second. So almost to what you were asking before, the rules are really having an impact on offense. And now I'm wondering, as someone who models, and again, I'm very open about my process, I have what I've been describing as like a, a volume knob to help account for ball, humidor, and temperature, because we know these things inevitably change. We saw it last year. The ball, you know, the ball, the way the ball traveled, and we can quantify it. Home run to fly ball rates, home run to power rates, home runs total, we're all down in the colder months. You can't use a, you can't use a constant if you know these things are, are, are changing. So where I was ready, again, I, I, I'm a very light better when the season starts because I'm, I'm inputting data. I'm like shoveling the coal into the machine right now. I was ready for lower scores. But the rules are kind of counteracting that. And right now, again, we're quantifying it. Though the ball and stuff has suppressed the home run game, the small game has really gotten a very serious boost in a way that it might almost counterbalance all the loss of the home runs, where I may have to put my volume in the back to the middle, where I was kind of in the cold month mode right now. So I, I know it's a lot. But that's part of modeling baseball. Like you said, part of the frustration is juggling all of the different things that are moving. And you, you just can't you can't ignore them, right? You can't ignore weather in baseball. You want to know if you're in Cincinnati. You need to know. Or Chicago. 
Yeah, I agree. Oh, especially during the daytime, Kev, I'm going to be honest, I honestly don't want to even bother with those games. I, I, it, it, they are like upset. I don't know why they, they like upset me. You see these wild weather readings, 23 miles an hour out to right or something, pop ups, getting the shortstop is like spinning around in circles looking for the ball. Yeah, those, those afternoon games are regularly, I, I usually don't touch them. I mean, I thought you were bringing up you don't like to touch the afternoon games just because you don't have as much uh, of a runway. Well, I, I I don't mind betting them. I, as a content creator, I don't like to cover them because they don't stay out on the vine long enough. That's the only thing that's frustrating. I wish, you know, I, I you know, we put in work into trying covering things the best we can. You, you want people to be able to listen to it and use it. And I know before I was creating content, I was sponging it and sucking it up. And there was nothing worse than listening to Kevin Davis, your favorite you know, analyst breaking down a game and you running to the book to find out it already happened. And you're like, Oh man, right. Kevin's got this sick lean on the Tigers. They're going to beat the Yankees. And then the worst part is if you like the Tigers to beat the Yankees, you go check it and it actually happened. Right. It's like, Oh man, you know, we missed it. So it's like, I ignore them, but that stuff for me is I usually do all the early stuff, all the wonky stuff. That's for the degenerates that subscribe to my third party betting stuff where I run the algo. I put out all the model results and stuff. For the true degenerates that wake up in the morning and the first thing they want to do is start, you know, crunching that stuff. And I think one of the best things I did for myself was I made my model public. Yeah, I mean, I guess you got it's behind a wall. Well, it's free right now, but it's it's out there. And I know more than people like using it. Like I take John's number and I play it. Is people are like incorporating my work into their own stuff, and I like I really like that actually. Yeah, now I'm kind of tempted to do that too. Um... But, you know, one thing I have noticed about producing content for afternoon baseball is the only way to really do it and get enough eyeballs to look at it because it needs to get enough eyeballs so Google knows it's relevant, so you keep coming up on searches, is to cover the overnights. So if I got the article on the next day's baseball games up at 5 p.m., then I know I have 18 hours before it's irrelevant. Interesting. Yeah. So you always want... So for that, you have to make sure you work for a place that has an overnight editor. Yeah, well, there's another one, right? There's another one too. It's it's very diff- It's really very difficult, and I have kind of condensed my afternoon coverage to if you want it, I post all my stuff early in the morning. You don't get all the bells and whistles of a show, but the numbers are there, the picks are there, the everything's there, you know. And for the DJs, I know that kind of like my like I I'm so compulsive, and because I use so many numbers, I hit a point, Kevin. I said enough's enough. I have to compartmentalize this. I have to make this neat. This has to make sense. But I know there's a lot of numbers I want to use, right? So I had to kind of balance everything at once. And I, it took me a long time, but I feel like I really succeeded. I finally launched it to the public this season. The feedback has been awesome. And I'm hoping, even if the picks are not winners, which I mean, hopefully they are over enough time, that like the tools are worth you know, the cost of admission. Because again, I just like to give people the, the, the avenue to go get it themselves also. You know, not like, oh, Kevin picks this guy, so I pick this guy. Kevin has this pick. To me, that's so lame. You know, that's not really adding value. I don't think you're adding value. I mean, you, you know what I mean? Because we all go through ebbs and flows. So I'm more into, than like, so what you're doing here, right? We're kind of, we're really kind of, you're trying to teach people, right? Regardless of the sport, how to go at the art, right? How to go yeah, at Yeah, the idea is you can listen to this podcast three years later, which I bet some people will. Yes. And you say, okay, this is still useful today. Or if we talk about something that has changed, it'd be like, okay, well, back then they didn't know what was going to happen. Right. And, and right. We've talked some serious 
you know, uh, theoreticals. Being malleable is the number one thing. And it's it's funny because that's another one is probably balance. Right. How do you balance rigid consistency with being malleable? It's like, you know, it's they're almost opposed, right? They're almost contradicting theorem. It makes me think of, I think it was Bruce Lee. who I mean, if you ever like listen to Bruce Lee stuff, he's so brilliant. And it was about being like the, the reed, like he would describe like a bamboo reed. That the reed is both sturdy, it stands up straight, but flexible. It doesn't break in the wind. And that's how he described himself as if you try and stand too firm against a sturdy wind, it takes you, it blows it over, right? Eventually it gives. So you must have give. You must have give to meet the opposition force and, and come and ebb and flow with it. And that's why, like you know, like I'm saying, so the reed would bend and not break. And then when the pressure stops, the reed continues to stand. And that's like what I find is is the what makes I my, I love this. Like I, if nobody watched my stuff, if nobody subscribed to my stuff, I would still do this because the challenge is never ended. And then we get to grade it too, and which I find fun. And not say I don't care if I make money or not. Now you've been doing this for so long, you might be in the same place, the same headspace as I am. I care more that like I just don't want any subscribers to get beat up. And that's why I always preach risk management. But to be honest, dude, I could lose 100 bets in a row. I would not even care. I'm not going to lose any sleep whatsoever. I, 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 not that I could ever see it really happening, but again, I just don't care. Like I make the bet, you make the bet, and you have to release it. You know what I'm saying? You have to disconnect from it. I don't throw the ball. I don't swing the bat. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. So you can't like get wed to this stuff too hard, right? Yes, certainly. I mean, even... If you're good at betting baseball, you're going to have a lot of losing days. Same for any sport, yeah. really. I mean, baseball is also one of the most mentally exhausting sports to bet just because it's every day. And you need to give yeah. yourself a break. I mean, at least with football, it's once a week. So you get some break time. You know, that's why I think football is such a popular sport to bet. Um, you know, yeah. but, you know, baseball, I think in terms, I think baseball is the best betting sport because of the lowest synthetic holds of any of the major sports. Yeah, no, baseball's easily the best, easily the best to bet on because you get the softest opportunities the most amount of times. You get the most, I mean, the, 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 the thing is this, baseball has essentially discarded CLV. Like, I don't even know if I believe in CLV in baseball because I believe, C, I do believe in CLV. I just believe the crowd takes time to form that that truth that like you mentioned in football by the time you get to sunday morning very hard to bet into those markets man i mean that's that's super duper sharp five minutes before a baseball game it's only been on the wire a couple hours you know and you don't know what jamoke has been betting and who put it up and now that we're getting exposed to public the public betting the public only knows overs and favorites and stuff so like it might even be better for people like us because sometimes I, like, I, you know, again, to speak to CLV, where in football, I will admit, if lines are moving against me, especially at the end, I'm not feeling super confident. Now, if I love my analysis, I'm going to put my money down. I don't care that much. Baseball, I don't care. Like, I root it on. I wait. I'll wait for it to get a the better price. I'll bet into it and dollar average in. You know what I mean? Like, if I, if I liked it at plus 160, my dog, but again, use stuff like BetStamp and all these other apps or whatever. You see that there's 180s out there, maybe different states, maybe different 
shops you don't have access to. You don't have to run for the 160 because you're, you know, you could see the market, right? You could run and read the tape. We would call it trading. It doesn't guarantee it, but then maybe you say to yourself, all right, instead of putting my entire R, I'm going to put, I'm going to put 30% of it and wait for it to move. Then you could do another third, another third and bet into the, into the move in trading. We'd also call that trailing a price. If people are familiar, you know, again, football different CLV football, sharp CLV baseball, do not care. <laughs> like absolutely, honestly, do not care. I want every single price to go against me so I can get a better price. Honestly, I be- like, you know what I mean? Kev, I trust my model and my work. Up well, I just know that over the years, I've been betting the pirates a lot. And I, oh, I know <laughs> yeah. pretty early on that the pirates, I was getting negative CLV on, and I'm just better off waiting for the game about to start to bet them. Ding, 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 everybody. There you just learned a ridiculously smart lesson from your host, Kevin Davis. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't, you don't have to run to bet the Tigers early, man. You don't have to do that. The ones you have to jump on, this is a good lesson for people that actually like, you know, yeah, we're doing the three-year evergreen stuff, but for people that are actually looking about baseball now, when you think you have the actual pitching edge and people might smarten up to it. Like yesterday, that gallon price was moving the other way. Because people know Zach Allen's a fantasy asset. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's a known commodity. He'll be high-priced in DraftKings. You know, the things that move the market, the things that even ancillary players kind of understand. That is a that is a bet that I would probably jump early because I'd be afraid it was going to go the other way. If it's something like I'm already – I'm trying to map out the guys I like. Like, I can't wait for Matt Boyd to pitch for the Tigers against, I don't know, just about anybody. <laughs> just about anybody. Because I think he looks really sharp. I think we're getting the best version of Matt Boyd. And until the public has figured that out, that the Tigers are a little bit better than we thought, and he's a little bit better than we thought, just remember, marginally better than we thought, we're going to get a positive odds on a, you know, to get that half run that I want. So that's like something that, no one's going to want. You can wait till the very last minute. Pirates, Tigers, even the, the Nationals. Probably Josiah Gray. I like Josiah Gray a lot this year. I think he changed up some stuff that I like to see. And if the spring training was any indication, he is going to be like a lights out. Remember, he was part of the Max Scherzer deal. Like he was not like a throwaway piece. He was a, he's a centerpiece. Touted prospect centerpiece. He just had a really rough rookie season, and now everyone is ready to dogpile him. And the Nats are terrible, which I get. But that's to your point of if you want to bet the Nationals, you can wait till 704 and you're going to get the very best price at 704. Right? Ignore CLV. Just ignore it. But if you want the Yankees, you want to do them early. Yeah. If you want to bet the Yankee, yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm never going to pay minus 200 anything. But, you know, I have found using my model to identify because I, I drew up an F5. The F5 model is really my bread and butter. And pairing it up against the first five team total lines has been really effective. We've done really, really well. Like, I'll give you an example. Just yesterday, the, my first call to the pen show, screaming, screaming. I launched my betting site too, screaming Toronto over first five. I couldn't believe it was at one and a half against Miles Michaelis. Like, the model was just, like, blowing smoke out of it. And they scored four runs in the first inning. You know, it was like, it's because I, I had... I had Toronto to go over that team total. I had Toronto to go so – I even said this on the show. I had them going so far over their team total that they were going to cover the, the three-and-a-half game first five total. And they did just that all the first inning. So sometimes that's where the edges – you mentioned the Yankees. That's especially – the Yankees will get posted sometimes at one-and-a-half, minus 110, minus 115. 
you got to jump that because by the time it hits like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, that's minus 150. And I've noticed with those, they'd rather juice them than move the line to what you mentioned before, Mr. Sharp Davis, is they don't want to put the line at two because they don't want to eat the pushes. So they'd rather post like a minus 195, one and a half, and then like a plus 165, two and a half, and catch people trying to chase that. You know what I mean? Really getting juiced up, levered in each direction rather than eat those pushes. So, yeah, to the Yankees, keep it on those run totals, man. I love them early. But after coffee time, forget that. No, it's, uh, I can't do it. Remember, it's the same bet, right? Part of me is tempted now to look at the bet stamp opening and closing line data, not just for money lines, but for run lines as well, to see which teams uh, you know, close at a worse price than they open and which ones close at a better price. Now, you mean, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming here, not to tell you like who's going to win, but this is to speak to the market behavior, right? Yeah, like I mean, just public? we're talking about public behavior, right? Like if I'm originating and I want to get the best price, and you you mentioned how you're starting to believe less in closing line value for baseball, and I'm starting to feel that way too, because I just feel that there's certain teams that always you're always going to get the best price at close, and there's other teams where you always get. Not always, but frequently get the best price at start. Right. You know. You know how I've described it. And again, these are a lot of these are trading terms. So if anybody thinks I'm particularly smart, I'm just kind of copying and pasting things that smarter people have told me. And it's it's the pendulum, right? So let's call CLV a pendulum, and the center point is the true is the true mark is the fair is the F FMV fair market value. F I almost allowed this botch one. Okay. So the thing with pendulums which are really, really similar to market dynamics is on their way to the center point, they do a lot of swinging, right? As the pendulum swings, the earliest swings of the pendulum are the most extreme. Those are your overcorrections. Or you can't start a pendulum from the middle. It won't move. They only start from the outside. So the reason I say that is every pendulum move must mature. And that's why it's not to say Baseball CLV would never matter if, like football, the game was five days away and everybody was spending in every hour, waking hour, breaking it down and looking at lines and posting stuff on Twitter. Then you'd get the same thing. Then CLV would absolutely matter more than anything. But the fact of the matter, it doesn't. The games are too plentiful. The games are too spread out, not only by distance, but by time. There are games that literally start 10 hours apart from each other within a day and then are 14 hours apart from the next 15-game slate with a 10-hour disparity. Not to mention there's lack of popularity in certain pockets, The teams, some of the teams you're talking about. There just isn't enough money and interest on these to sharpen these lines. So it's almost like go get him. If you have a donkey out there and he happens to have fat pockets, he could swing a line because nobody's betting on the Pirates. And you might be like, oh, no, the line went against me when you shouldn't, Kev. You should be enthused that you're about to get a discount on your very good work, right? So there's not enough volume. There isn't enough time for the pendulum. So there's a couple of things I'm just applying to baseball. Again, I don't – I think it's right. I don't know if I can necessarily prove it. But that is my kind of back feeling on CLV for baseball. Not that I ignore it. It's I don't think it has enough time to mature. And if we had more time to mature, then I think it would matter a lot more than it does. Certainly. Now the show's coming to an end. What is the biggest lesson for new baseball betters that you have? Oh, 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 I got you. Oh, I got you. 
the best lesson that I have for new betters is the best lesson that I got, as you guessed it, a new trader. And it's to put yourself through a combine. So for anybody beginning to, even you just want to take a whack at it. You think you'd be good at it. You enjoy it. looks like fun. You want a secondary income. Regardless, regardless, that's why this matters. Regardless, before you put your hard-earned American dollars down, prove your own profitability. 30 days, call it 30 days. Show profitability on paper, right? We would call it trading, we call it paper trading, not using live cash. Remember, you can track, I, I love when people like, they track, oh, but what do you mean? No, 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 you can't follow. Of course you could follow it. You can do the math. That's one of the beauties of sports betting is you don't get beat up by overnight markets. One of the reasons I became a high level sports better after I lost five figures asleep, you know, in, in you know, having all this money. Oh, I'm up a hundred thousand bucks. I'm a stock traded mogul. Oh my goodness. My wife's going to never leave me, you know? And, and then, well, you know, you wake up and something happened in Asia and you're, you lost, you know, you lost a hundred. 135k and you can't get out of it now when you when the bell rings you're going to take all those stop losses well below your plan exit so remember sport betting can be greater than sign stock trading as far as leveraging and predicting the outcomes go now to the combine pick the best price you could find use a price finder and write it down track it through 30 days and guess what if that ink is red by the time the 30th day is over you start again. And if the ink is black, and I assure you, it won't be nine figures, which is for some reason what people think, as if they if they paper trade and demo trade for a month, they're going to somehow lose out on the $10 million they were going to make. They were going to make $10 million if only, you know, that, that $200 they were going to put in an account. And that's the last point is run a combine, prove profitability, don't go live until you show profitability. And in the meantime, capitalize yourself. I think other than the discipline, although I guess risk management, this is also discipline too, is not properly capitalizing. People think, Kev, they're going to take $100 and like bet it. And like every night it's going to quadruple. And they're going to, and then, which is also funny, then they're going to like go do stuff with it, right? So as if, if you were going to open up a store, people, and you're going to open up a trinket store, widget store, I was going to sell blue shirts. And let's say you had a great first day selling blue shirts. You wouldn't go in the register and start buying lobsters. That's not how you make money in the business world. You 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 compound it. You think about advertising, how you can get better, how you could grow, manpower, women power, you know what I mean? Like growth, you know, in the business, not partying. And that's the problem. The betters who are already betting without having shown profitability, part one, don't have the proper capital to do it in the first place, right? So- that's what I would suggest is know what the F you're doing, you know, before you do it, hang out with either Kevin or people like myself. You know, I've been trying to weave this stuff into my baseball show. I thought I'd try and weave some, you know, the theory, man, because it really matters. Approach, process, and theory, you know, having a strict kind of methodological approach really matters. It really matters. And it's what took me to the professional level, right? Because I, I mean, I, blo- that's an old thing what people think I, I, that it's all winning because I've blown up accounts. That would make your freaking head spin. I swear. All right, John. Thanks for coming on 90 Degrees today. Appreciate you, man. The easiest way to improve as a sports better is by using multiple sports books and always getting the best odds. The way I keep track of all this is by using the BetStamp odds comparison tool. BetStamp compares odds across every sports book for games, futures, and player props. Save time and money by checking BetStamp before you bet. Download the app today for free. That's zero dollars. 
If you're looking to sign up for a new sportsbook account, please check out the offers available at betstamp.app forward slash circles off or hit the link in the description. If you sign up through the page, it helps support the show. Big bomb bomb bangers. Thank you for tuning in to 90 Degrees, presented by the Hammer Betting Network, Betstamp, and Pinnacle Sportsbook. Head over to our website, thehammer.bet, for all your sports betting needs. If you've enjoyed the show, click the like button. If you're new to the channel, hit the subscribe button. If you've made it this far, drop a comment for your favorite MLB rule change. Let's cash.